Boom, here we go. What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the greatest combat sports and culture show on the entire universe, the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 291 of the show. I hope you guys had an amazing weekend. We had so much great fight action this weekend. I mean, from PFL to Bellator to the UFC and so much more. Man, we even had YouTubers versus TikTokers. Shit was crazy this weekend. Uh, we're going to go ahead and focus on a couple different things. So on today's menu, we're going to talk about everything UFC 263. We'll go ahead and recap that. Talk about Israel Adesanya's domination against Marvin Vittori. We'll also talk about the baby face, the new face of the flyweight division. We're talking about the first Mexican-born champion in UFC history, Brandon Moreno. We'll talk about that. Leon Edwards survives the scare against Nate Diaz, Paul Craig, and so much more in this episode. Remember, this is episode 291 uh, of the podcast, man. So love you guys. Appreciate you guys for joining us today as you do every other, every Monday. Um, but also, thank you for bearing with me. Like I said, we, we are still out of town. We're also doing things. So I'm sure you're hearing a little bit of echo. We're not having our normal uh, situation, but we're getting great content for you guys. Also, really fast, we have some great um, interviews and conversations coming up this week. We have Jordan Young, contender in the PFL, coming up right before his big, big fight coming up this Thursday. We'll talk to him and so much more. Obviously, this week we have Brothers in Combat. We have All Things Boxing with B-Cam and so much more. So, stay tuned for that. But let's go on ahead and jump on into the show. We know what time it is. It is morning coffee and fight news. So let me go ahead and grab my little drink of coffee. Uh, you, for everyone who is watching live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, we appreciate you guys. Remember, listen to the Fight Podcast everywhere podcasting is available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, thefightpodcast.com. Check us out on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow your boy at Serge Vicente. Let's get this little party started, a little sip of cafe. Let's get it rocking. All right. Hope you guys had a great weekend, like I said, and let's jump on into it. This weekend in Glendale, Arizona, we had the biggest pay-per-view, honestly, of the year. Two title fights, legendary action. We had the champ, arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, Israel Adesanya, defending his title against a rematch. Somebody who's already beaten in the past, somebody who has continually called him out and said that he believes he won that last fight. And we are talking about Marvin, the Italian dream of Vittori. So this was a fight that happened, took place in Glendale, Arizona, which is wild because it's actually the exact same place where the first fight took place. So not only is this a rematch of the main event, this is actually a fight that is happening in the exact same place. So for Marvin Vittori, for him, it was an opportunity to go ahead and right the wrongs of last time, even though for him, it seems like he really didn't believe he actually lost the fight. He did, though. All right. So we'll talk about that. So um, let's go ahead and actually talk about the numbers. Israel Adesanya goes out there and dominates Marvin Vittori 50-45 on all judges' scorecards. And I'll be honest with you guys. After watching this fight, he is who we thought he was. And I think we really go back into it. And I know a lot of people are going to say a bunch of different things. But the reason that this fight really just looked like everything is because let's, let's go ahead and actually, uh-oh, 
we have, we're having some, uh, our camera's acting silly, so we're going to go ahead and fix that for you guys real fast. You got to love live, live TV, folks. Hold up for a second. We're going to get this rocking. We aren't even going to stress it. We aren't even going to stress it. This is how we get down. We're going to fix this real fast. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's how your boy gets down. We ain't even going to stress it. We just going to keep on rocking. All right. Uh, get right back at it. Uh, like I was saying, Israel Adesanya goes out there and I think proved a lot of the haters wrong. I think after his last fight with Jan Blahovitz over at 205, the, the, the verdict was essentially that you can just take Adesanya down. He's not as good as we thought he was. And you can stifle him. That's what everybody thought. So everyone looked at Marvin Vittori and his rise. Ever since he's fought last, he hasn't lost. And not only has he not lost, he's not even lost a round against anybody aside from Adesanya. So everyone was looking at it and saying, you know what? Maybe Vittori has gotten good enough. Maybe Vittori has really built himself up enough and has learned over there with those boys at, uh, in Huntington Beach, California, very King's MMA. Maybe he has gotten to the point that he can actually beat. And he has this style, the blueprint, to actually defeat Adesanya. Well, Adesanya, I'll be very honest with you guys, showed us one major thing. And he said it after the fight. Yo, there's levels to this game. There's levels. And right here on the Fight Podcast, we said it here for you guys as well. And we said at the end of the day, Marvin Vittori, as good as he is, and he is good. He's just not good enough. And since his last fight, we really had to look at it and say, yo, did this dude actually go out there and has he evolved enough? And I think he has evolved in spaces. But if you thought about it, and again, we said it right here on the show, we said we don't really believe, at least I don't really specifically believe that he is that good everywhere. And that's the problem. If you want to be a champion in the UFC or for that matter, any major MMA promotion, you have to be stellar in more than one aspect of the game. Adesanya is a world champion, world-class striker. He has over 100 wins in his combat sports career. I'm going to say that one more time for those in the back. He has a hundred, over 100, 100 wins, 101 career combat sports wins, 5-1 boxing, 75-5 kickboxing, and now 21-1 in MMA. So he went out there with all of his experience, with all of his time, and he proved that there are levels to this game, that he's actually been the one that has leaps and, and bounds really evolved. So we go into this fight, and one thing that I have to say, Adesanya stayed on the outside. This fight, for as much as Vittori talked about how things are going to be different, this fight really felt and looked exactly the same. You had Adesanya going out there and just completely dominating the stand-up. And the thing that was really scary for this fight, especially for, for Vittori, and to be honest with you, everybody else in the middleweight division, the thing that's scary about it is that Adesanya really never got out of second gear. He never, never really was threatened. He was never uncomfortable in every, any stretch, even when he was, he, was, he was taken down, which he was. He ended up being taken down four times in this fight. Fam, it was like the, the canvas was made of a trampoline. His butt touched the floor and he popped right back up. It was simple. It was easy. 
And he even proved that in the four months since his loss to Jan Blachowicz, he has actually improved within his grappling. He wasn't able to be held down. And here's a couple different things. And I think a lot of people look at the, the, the Jan Blachowicz fight and said, oh, it's easy to take Adesanya down. Wrong. Very wrong. Well, let's take a different approach in how Adesanya was taken down with Jan Blachowicz as opposed to what Marvin Vittori is actually trying to do. Israel Adesanya is nearly impossible to take down when his back is against the cage. It is what it is. If his back is against the cage, he has incredible takedown D. He utilizes his elbows, which as we saw, anytime Marvin Torrey got close with a to getting that double leg, where he was getting close to clasping his hands to be able to take Adesanya for a ride. Adesanya has a wide base. We forget he's like 6'4, six, 6'5, six, super long, six-inch reach advantage on the feet. And he started dropping huge elbows down to Marvin Torrey. Forced Marvin Torrey to stand up. He was able to, to establish his underhooks, lift up, and then twist out. It was a beautiful thing to watch. But Serge, he was able to get taken down by Jan Blachowicz easily. Here is the difference in what Jan Blachowicz did with anybody else is trying to do. Jan Blachowicz, even though he does have that incredible, incredible power, which he does. He does. He doesn't utilize it all the time, but he does have this dope power. He's patient. And one thing that he was able to do with his patience is that when Adesanya was actually coming forward on him, which he was, landing strikes on him, Jan's back was against the cage. Adesanya's back was in the middle, and then he shot in a blast, double leg, being the bigger man who was able to fall on top and land on top and control him because Adesanya wasn't able to get to the cage and utilize that to get himself back up on his feet. Big key that I mentioned was patience. Marvin Vittori... I'm going to say it, and I'm going to keep it a bean with you guys. Yo, Marvin, your game plan sucked. It was terrible. It was awful. He goes out there with this aggro, you know, I'm going to get you kind of style, and that doesn't work against Adesanya. Adesanya is too smart, too experienced. So he goes out there, tries to, he was so tense, and, he, and he's trying to take his head off with every shot. And it's interesting that he goes out there and does that because when you really boil down to it and think about it, Marvin Vittori is not a finisher, people. Marvin Vittori doesn't finish anybody. He doesn't finish you on the ground. He doesn't finish you on stand-up. So the fact that he's going out there and trying to actually knock out Adesanya shows me already that, dude, your game plan sucks. You haven't learned anything, and you haven't evolved. So that was one key takeaway that I want to say. And actually, we'll go ahead and take this away. What are the key takeaways from this main event? That was the major takeaway for me is that at the end of the day, you have no power, and you were trying to knock this dude out. Terrible game plan. Terrible thing. What else do I have? Uh, do, 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 do. Also, guys, we have to give props to Adesanya. Israel Adesanya goes out there and just looked beautiful in stand-up. He was, he was able to really control everything that was going on. And yes, he didn't land a bunch of big signature punches. But what he did do was control the pace of the fight. He was able to truly beat up and just destroy Marvin Vittori's legs. And that's one thing that a lot of people I don't think really discuss is how dangerous Adesanya's leg kicks are within his actual style. It's hard to take him down because it's because of his timing. And he has incredible timing with that leg kick. He gets you focused up here, he drops a leg kick. 
he gets you thinking with all of his feints because he does. And all the guys at City Kickboxing, Brad Riddell, who I believe had an amazing uh, performance as well, they go out there and they, they faint. They outfaint you. They're moving. They're fainting. They're getting you. And the thing is, the moment you get done fainting, and I'm saying he does this better than anybody I've ever seen. The moment he gets done fainting, you think it's safe and you start trying to walk forward. That moment the athlete takes a step forward, boom, another kick. He does it to stifle the want to take down. And for those who do not know, the more leg kicks you take, it makes it nearly impossible to drive through and actually land the takedown against somebody like an Adesanya. He's evolving. He's extremely strong. And he is proving now that he is head and shoulders above anybody else in the middleweight division to the point that now he's doing something that Kamar Usman is doing at 170. He's starting to lap these guys. He's lapping them. He's keeping going. He's already beaten everybody in everybody essentially in the top five. Only person he hasn't beaten in the top five is uh, Jared Cannonier, which that's the fight that he actually wanted. But Jared Cannonier couldn't get past Robert Whitaker, who we'll talk about in a moment. So he's beaten everybody in there. What's next for Adesanya? Well, what's next for Adesanya is this Adesanya does something that a lot of other champions don't do. Most champions, after a fight, will say, Hey, Whoever the organization says next, I'm here. I knock him down. You line him up, I knock him down. One thing that Adesanya does is which makes him such a badass champion is that he goes out there and calls his shots. After the fight, he says, yo, this is dude Bobby Knuckles. Y'all think he's good? I knocked this dude out twice already. Knocked him the fuck out twice. I'll do it again for you guys as well and prove that I'm the baddest dude in this weight class. I'm the baddest dude in the world. And that's honestly, I'll be very, very honest with you guys. I think that Robert Whitaker is great. I think that Robert Whitaker is the second best fighter in the, in the middleweight division, in the UFC's middleweight division. I'll even venture to say that I think Robert Whitaker is the second best middleweight in the world today. The problem with that, he's going to go out there and fight the best fighter in middleweight in the world again. And that is Israel, the last style better, Adesanya. He went out there, completely dominated. He, I, in my personal opinion, he proved the haters wrong. He went out there and just completely styled on Vittori. And for Vittori, I, I, I really want to see him kind of start chilling out. I understand this aggro shit, but dude, at the end of the day, we're martial artists. And if you're in there with the better guys you're in there with, that shit, that tense, that intensity, it doesn't really work. So... Salute to Adesanya. He goes out there, dominates. He ends up landing 122 significant strikes to Marvin Vittori's 91. He lands 90, I'm sorry, 122 to, to, um, total strikes. He lands 96 significant strikes to Vittori's 58 and just absolutely dominated. Salute to the champion. Salute to, I'll say, my favorite fighter in the game right now. He is by far the most entertaining to watch. And then we have to ask this. What's going to be next? Absolutely is going to go ahead and be um, Robert Whitaker. But if he gets done with Robert Whitaker and dispatches him, and he does want a quick turnaround. He wants to go out there. He says he wants to be back in October. Active champions. He's already fought three times in the last 90 days. That's how fucking dope Adesanya is. Um, but the other people that you can possibly face in this weight class, obviously, you have Derek Brunson, number five. He's already beaten Derek Brunson, but he's been calling out Darren Till forever. That is a fight. Derek Brunson versus Darren Till is a fight that is going to happen this year. They're already um, uh, locked horns. So at the end of the day, the winner of that fight will have probably have the winner of Robert Whitaker and Adesanya. 
After that also, there's Uriah Hall. But after he goes out there and beats Darren Till, he beats Uriah Hall. And he goes out there and beats Robert Whitaker for a second time. What else is there for Adesanya to do at, uh, at 185 pounds? I don't know. And that might be a time where Adesanya goes out there, takes those six months off that we've talked about before, builds his body up, and then officially moves to 205. We'll see what happens. We'll keep you guys posted on that one. All right. Um, let, let's talk about the co-main event a little bit because I think this is a fight that I think everybody, the fans, everybody was so happy about. And this was one of the, I don't want to call it a Rudy moment, but it was one of those moments that I think everybody felt good about. Brandon Moreno uh, goes out there and defeats the champion, the dominant champion, the man who has put the weight class on his back, Davison Figueredo. He goes out there and just completely from bell to bell dominates and ends up getting a third round rear naked choke finish in, let me see the time, in uh, two minutes and 26 seconds of the third round. Yo, dude, I'm telling you, I was so hyped on this fight. And I'll be honest with you, I absolutely believed that Davidson Figueredo was going to win this fight. I thought it was going to win because if we look at the first fight, the first fight, Davidson Figueredo had to go to the hospital the day before. He won the fight essentially, but had a point deduction because of a low blow. So for me, the way I looked at it was, well, look, he essentially won the first fight. He was compromised because of it, because of whatever the case may be, why he had to go to the hospital. And then afterwards, he still almost won the fight. So for me, it was like, you know what? I don't see in this time frame, one, I think one guy was better than the other. I don't see the other one evolving enough in order for him to catch up. Yo, I was fucking wrong. I was so wrong. And I'm always happy when I am wrong in times like this because Brandon Moreno, check this out. Last pick of the ultimate fighter last pick and you always know not many dudes in the last pick of my fighter end up being that dope kelvin gaslin withstanding but not many of them are so he's the last pick of the ultimate fighter he ends up going three and three in the ufc and then gets cut goes to the lfa fantastic regional promotion wins the lfa flyweight championship comes back to the ufc goes on a run gets a title fight against this dominant force in davidson figueredo Fights him to a draw, gets a rematch, and then completely dominated his opponent. Holy shit, did he dominate. He went out there and made it seem essentially that Davis and Federico, just you talking about levels, it looked like he wasn't even on his level. He beat him in every single aspect of the game. Every single aspect, he outstruck him. He didn't just outstrike him on the outside to keep him good. He has a fantastic jab. And, and leg kicks. He wasn't sitting there being passive. No. He was shooting in, beating him in his dirty boxing on the inside. Literally from the outside, middle, in, grappling, he was dominating every aspect of the game. In the third round, I mean, even it was in the second round, for he dropped Figueroa with a jab. Dude, Brandon Moreno, the Funko Pop collector, the Lego builder, Goes out there and makes us all proud. This dude is one of the best guys in the sport. He actually does the commentary uh, along with Ponzinibbio, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and Chito Vera for the UFC in their Spanish broadcast. He is the first, the first Mexican-born champion in the UFC. 
All praises due. Let's give all the love and salute to Brandon Moreno who goes out there and just, I mean, dude, we have a star. Mexico, you fucking got one. You have one. This dude is a star in this sport. And think about this. Mexico was never uh, a, the UFC, when the UFC first started, they were looking at it in terms of, you know, in, in growth. When Zufo was first coming up, they were looking at growth. And they were trying to follow, okay, let's follow the boxing model. USA, Mexico, the UK. That's how they expected to grow MMA. Well, they were wrong. It didn't catch on those places the exact same way. They, it really ended up following the pro wrestling model where it ended up hitting Canada. It hit, um, should I say, uh, like Brazil and other places around the world, you know, Japan and stuff. It hit that pro wrestling model and, can, and now they're obviously charting their own path. So with that, Mexico now finally has a, a, a bona fide, legitimate superstar that they can get behind. And I'm telling you right now, we already know, that, I mean, with boxing, the Mexican spirit and heart that they absolutely have. And what we see and how they dominate the lighter weight classes in boxing. I believe this is going to usher in a new era where we're starting to see a lot of these amazing, amazing, amazing Mexican fighters coming out and representing MMA. I absolutely will see. I think we will see more events in Mexico, more big Mexico City events. And you can headline events like this with this guy. I'm telling you, Brandon Moreno is the face. He, he is a good guy. He is somebody that you want to get behind. I couldn't be more happy for him. Amazing performance. Salute to the new flyweight champion, Davidson Figueiredo, man. I love it. What a great performance, man. This dude goes out there and absolutely just rocked it. Um, for everybody who is watching live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, I appreciate you guys. Um, remember, you can check us out everywhere. Podcasting is available. And for all the combat sports lovers and fans in your life, tell them about the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. The fight podcast. All right, let me see if there's anything else I want to say about that Figgy uh, fight. Mm, okay, I will say this because I have been giving a lot of love to uh, to Brandon Moreno, which we should. But it really brings the question at the end of the day, was uh, Davidson Figueredo compromised? Was he compromised in this fight? Because he was the last, the very last guy to actually weigh in for this fight card. Not only was he last, he didn't wait to the last half hour, last 15 minutes. He literally, it was 30 seconds left on the clock and he finally weighed in. Otherwise he wouldn't even been able to fight. So when I saw that, I was like, maybe it was gamesmanship or maybe there was something actually wrong with his weight cut. Davidson Figueredo in this fight, I've seen him before come forward. The second fight with um, Joseph Benavidez, we love Joey B on the show, friend of the show, we know we love Joey B. But one thing that we saw with Joseph Benavidez is that he was aggressive. He came forward and he legitimately looked like he wanted this fight, or should I say that fight. This one, he was passive. He was chilling, so I don't know if it was energy expenditure trying to save himself a little bit or what it was, but I think we generally have to look at it and say, Maybe the weight cut was too much. And maybe it is time for Davis and Figueredo to move up to 135 pounds. It might be that time. He cuts a lot of weight. He's a guy that walks around, they say, between 155 and 160 pounds. Yes, he's that big walking around this weight class. It's incredible when you think that he actually has an opportunity to cut down and even make 125 because he walks around that big. 
He'll absolutely be back. He's one of the best fighters in the world. But I think it might legitimately be time for Davidson Figueiredo to say forget it and move up to the one of the best weight classes. In my opinion, I'll say the second best weight class in all of the UFC. Let's move up to 135. All right. Um, let me see. Anything else on this one? Do, 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 do. Interesting stat for you guys. I want to talk about this. In 2020, zero. Absolutely goose egg. Zero champions lost their belts in 2020. In 2021, we have already had four champions lose their belts. Keep that in mind. Crowds are coming back. People getting hyped. Who knows what it is? But there's some different action happening in 2021. All right. Um, oh, real quick, as I transition and take my little sip of cafe in this, you know, because it is morning coffee and fight news. And for all of us, yeah, it's earlier for me. I'm on the East Coast still. Usually morning coffee and fight news doesn't start till I shoot. 1, 1 p.m. Uh, uh, Eastern Standard Time. It's only 7 o'clock back in the crib. It is what it is. I'm happy to be here with you guys bright and early in the morning. We have our coffee. Thank you for everybody joining us on Morning Coffee and Fight News. I will say this. Arizona. Glendale. Yo, you guys were a shitty audience, man. The crowd was terrible. Oh, my God. Anytime there was a grappling situation, they were booing. Any pause in the action, they were booing. Like, you guys have never watched MMA before. Grow up. Oh, it was annoying. Dude, one of the worst. I thought Florida was going to be ass. Fam, Arizona, and I'm with y'all right now. I'm cheering for the Phoenix Suns. I'm a Lakers fan, and I'm cheering for the Phoenix Suns right now. But Glendale, bruh, it was ugly. Ugly, terrible fans. The audience was ass. Um, all right, move right along as I shit on Glendale for a little bit. <laughs> oh, dude, let's talk about this one. Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards goes out there and survives. Survives against Nate Diaz. He ends up winning on all scorecards. 49 49-46, 49-46, 49-46. 46. He ended up surviving a final minute scare, about a minute and a half, maybe two minutes left in the fight. Um, after a pure domination from pillar to post, Leon Edwards was dominating this fight. Leon Edwards was stinging. Um, uh, he was dominating the stand-up. He was hurting him. He, he was... Be every exchange, the grappling exchanges, the striking exchanges, the control, every aspect of the game, Leon Edwards was winning the fight. But one issue, one major issue that I had in this fight is this. There didn't seem like it was a sense of urgency with Leon Edwards. And I think this is a knock that a lot of people have on Leon. He goes out there. He is technically superior to almost everybody he goes out there and faces because he is. And I don't care what anybody says. If you guys want to go out there and say, oh, Leon's not good, you're not really paying attention. Leon Edwards is a fucking dog. And not only is Leon Edwards a fucking dog, he is... And I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all. He is the second best welterweight in the world, regardless of the organization. Kamaru Usman is number one. Number two is Leon Edwards. Take your Kobe and shove it up your ass. I do, I, I do not have faith in Kobe Covington. Kobe Covington hasn't fought a real fighter in two fucking years, and he doesn't seem like he wants to fight at all. The second best fighter, and, I, and Dana White uh, getting his mag on, I don't know what it is, is insistent, is insistent. That this man gets this fight, even though he continues to turn down fight after fight. So for me, for my money, 
Leon Edwards is the second best guy in his weight class, but here's the problem with it. Because of this performance and because of the lack of tenacity that I believe he showed, it hurt him in this fight. Because one thing, bro, and you have to salute the legendary Nate the Great Diaz because he never stopped. He always continued coming forward. And in about, like I said, about a minute and a half, two minutes left in the fight, he lands a beautiful one-two. And one thing that Nate does is this. Nate, with his striking and with his boxing, a lot of people look at it like, it's, oh, it's not that great. You're wrong. He has incredible boxing. And one thing that he does is very similar to what Adesanya does with his leg kicks and some of the other things. They switch up their timing. They get you accustomed to the one, two, one, two, one, two. But then all of a sudden, he'll switch up the timing on you. Ba-ba. Quick, about one, two, real quick. And that's what he called Leon Edwards with. Leon Edwards, and I'll say, got lazy, got comfortable, realized that he was cruising. And again, this is the issue that I have with Leon Edwards. If he, Leon Edwards goes out there and completely dominates, goes out there and finishes Nathan Diaz, there's no questions asked. He has the next title shot. He is the guy. We said as much here on the show. We said it on this show. We said it on Brothers in Combat. We have said it on the Scrap Yard. We said it everywhere. That anybody would listen that if Leon Edwards goes out there and dominates in the man, uh, Nathan Diaz in the manner that Jorge Masvidal dominated Nathan Diaz, they wouldn't be able to do anything but give him a title shot. But he didn't. He cruised. He dominated in this performance, but he didn't have a sense of urgency to finish Nathan. He let Nathan stay around, and then this is what happens. Nate hurts him. Almost finishes him. Gets to the brink. Fam, I was jumping up and down on my chair. I couldn't believe it. It it was coming. Holy shit, Nate's doing it again. Nate's proving why he is the great Nathan Diaz. He doesn't end up getting to finish it. He gets out, but here's what ends up happening. Win, lose, or draw, Nate controls. He ends up controlling the narrative of the fight. He controlled the narrative of the night because at the end of the night, the end of the day, we weren't discussing how amazing and how incredible Leon Edwards' performance was because it was. As much shit as I talked about it, it was an incredible performance, almost a flawless, almost a perfect performance. But because he didn't finish the job, Nate Diaz controls the narrative. Everyone's talking about how amazing Nathan Diaz is. And now... Leon Edwards is back to the end of the drawing board. And this is why it sucks. It seems as if they're going to go ahead and give Colby Covington the next title shot at Kamar Usman at 170. Even Kamar Usman says, I'm not impressed. He has hit him with a GSP. I am not impressed by your performance. He hit him with one of those. So after he hit him with one of those, you have to look. Okay, Colby's probably going to be coming up next. Nate, unfortunately, for Nate, because of the star power that he is, and also the star that Jorge Masvidal is, we have unfinished business there. Watch Jorge Masvidal get Nathan Diaz. Huge fight. You can sell it. That's what's going to happen. And then at 170, fights that actually matter, you have Wonderboy Thompson going out there and fighting against Gilbert Burns. So if you look at it, Gil Burns versus... Um, Wonder Boy, the winner of that is probably going to be next after Kobe and Usman. So what does that say? It puts Leon Edwards even further back in the queue. He really didn't do himself a service on this one. I'm, 
unfortunately, as good as he performed, I'm disappointed in Leon Edwards because he didn't close the show. And if he closed the show, it would be a totally different conversation today on how Leon, we must see Leon Edwards. Now, here is a saving grace for Leon Edwards, and this is his only hope. His only hope is that they give him Jorge Masvidal next. They have history. Three-piece in a soda, all that. If he goes out there, he beats Nathan Diaz, he beats Jorge Masvidal, then there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He gets the shot. That is his only saving grace. So it all depends on what the UFC is going to do up and coming next. But all in all, salute to both men. Salute to Nate Diaz for being just a fucking badass. I love Nathan Diaz. Um, I cannot wait to get back to Cali to try his weed because I'm absolutely going to do it. Yo, my boy, Nicholas Maximoff, you know, a part of the Diaz squad. I'm going to hit you up, bro. We're going to figure that out. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go ahead and move right along. Uh, let's talk about really quick, uh, last couple fights I'm going to talk about on this card. Uh, Bilal Muhammad goes out there and, and defeats Damian Maya. 30-27, 29-28, 29-28. Maya just looks old. He's 43 years old. Father Time finally caught up. Bilal Muhammad, great performance, great takedown defense. Didn't allow Damian Maya to control at any point in time. Was able to land some good strikes in the, in the transitions. Ends up getting a, a solid, solid win. Is it going to blow your hair back? Absolutely not, but it's going to give you an absolutely big win. Now, what can happen for Bilal Muhammad next? Well, let's talk about Leon Edwards. That fight between Leon Edwards was stopped via eye poke. Because Leon Edwards didn't go out there and actually put forth a dominant performance, he might be able to get that fight back. Putting it out there, he might be able to get it back. That's what's going to happen with Bilal Muhammad. But salute to Bilal Muhammad. Uh, Chi-Town stand up. Chicago's very young and I fucks with him. And uh, I love everything that he's doing and the support that he's showing. Because remember, he is somebody who is of Palestinian descent. I believe he was actually even born there. So salute to him and everything and the awareness that he is bringing around um, Palestine and everything over there. So salute to Bilal Muhammad. Love what you're doing over there, my brother. All right. Uh, and last, what I'm going to talk about today, but certainly, absolutely not least, Paul Craig defeats Jamal Hill via first round TKO. One minute and 59 seconds into the first round. People, this was not a TKO win. This was a submission win. As you see right there, he, he won it via arm dislocation. He goes out there, the, the, the Braveheart looking Paul Craig, Scotland's own. Scotland, stand the fuck up. You have one, okay? He's ranked number 14. He is beating the names like Shogun Hua. He's beating some big names and he's. He's proving that he is a tough out no matter where he goes. Paul Craig is big. He's scary. He goes out there and beats a, a prospect that is on absolutely on fire from Graham Rappers, Michigan, in Hill. And the moment the fight, he ends up pulling guard, which you don't really see. He goes out there, pulls guard, wraps up his arm, wasn't able to establish the position first, gets it again, wraps it up, gets the arm bar, pops his elbow out, fam. By far, one of the nastiest moments I've ever seen. It really reminded me of when Frank Mir went out there and actually broke um, Big no Noguera's arm way back in the day. I can't remember exactly what UFC it is. I'll put it in the, in the show notes. But it, it would remind me of that moment. Frank Mir, Tim Sylvie. It reminded me of those moments. You remember exactly where you are when it happened. And it was terrifying. Oh, dude. He hasn't. Paul Craig, I mean, uh, Jamal Hill tried to actually tap, but the ref, and we'll talk about it in a second, didn't see it. 
and he is sitting here getting beat up and still trying to fight with his arm just dangling back and forth. It was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in MMA. It was wild. Fortunately for him, it was only a dislocation. They said they were able to put it back in. He's going to be okay. It, there was no breaks. Thank God there was no breaks. Uh, but fam, Paul Craig, amazing victory. We got to love it. Now, let's talk about the, the ref. Referee. You got to be better than that. The man tried to tap. He actually did tap. You have to be in position. And then at the end of the day, you see the arm angle. Once you see an arm is facing the opposite fucking way, you have to call the fight. He, he, it's so, I'm, I'm so thankful, so thankful that this, there was no, no breaks. Because if there was and this kid couldn't fight ever again, this would be totally on that referee. And I understand roughing is an extremely hard job. It is. But what this fucking dude did to get caught like that and then not actually break that up, he should not be allowed. He should absolutely, at the very least, he needs to be reprimanded. It is a difficult job, but I am telling you right now that there is no excuse for that. You have to put yourself as a referee in the position to protect the athletes. That is your only job. In fact, I've even said it before. I don't care if you stop a fight early. It sucks, but I don't care about that as much. Your job is to protect the athletes. That referee didn't do that. I don't know if it was Eve Levine or whoever the fuck it was, but they did a terrible job. He absolutely could have harmed and hurt that man's career. And this kid is an up-and-coming prospect, early 20s. Thank goodness he'll be back. Thank goodness there'll be nothing wrong. But you, you shit the bed, ref. That was awful. And uh, thank God that this kid's going to be all right. But all in all, man, this fight card was pretty fucking dope. Uh, it was, I think it lived up to all the billings. Obviously, Brad Riddell gets an amazing win against Drew Dober. That was going to be my fight of the night. I think it actually might have ended up getting it. It was an amazing matchup, and uh, everything about it I loved. Great fight, great fight card, and uh, the UFC does it once again. PFL had an amazing time, and also I want to talk about I didn't have it in my, written down here, but I have to give shout-out and some love to Clarissa Shields. All right? I've been difficult on her. I have been. I think it's utterly ridiculous that she calls herself a quote. She's not. You cannot be a quote to the, or a quote if you only have 10 wins in your career. She also hasn't fought anybody in boxing. I'll say, take your Christina Hammer and shove it up your ass. I can care less. Amanda Serrano is a, a more established, a legitimate boxer. 40, 40 wins, one loss, one draw. That And she also is fighting MMA and also got a big win this upcoming weekend. But for Clarissa Shields, who lost every minute, every single minute of that fight in the PFL main event, except for the last minute where she finally was able to get to position and get a TKO win uh, against Brittany Elkins. The reason I still say this is a positive thing, and I want to salute to, uh, to Clarissa Shields because she did a couple of different things that I didn't expect. Yes, she was outmanned on the ground, but she never lost her composure at all. She never lost her composure. She was breathing through her nose. She never panicked. So there was an, an amount of grit that I didn't anticipate that she had. She went out there and showed that. And, and to me, she does have incredible hand speed. She doesn't have any power. Get the fuck out of here with that. She has zero power. But with her skills on the feet, she's only 25 years old. If, and I'll say this, and this is what she needs to do. Clarissa Shields, if you're listening, and I know your, your identity is this boxer. 
you need to quit boxing. If Clarissa Shields decides to quit boxing outright, I'm done. I've retired from the sport of boxing and go all in on MMA. Clarissa Shields can be very, very good. I don't know if she's going to be a champion. I don't know. She definitely won't be a champion in the UFC, but she'll be very, very, very good. She can be, and she will be a champion in some organizations. If she completely retires from boxing and focuses on MMA, just like Amanda Serrano did, just like Holly Holmes did, just like Israel Adesanya did. Remember, he's fought an extensive kickboxing career then came over. MMA is one of those sports that you cannot dabble in. I can't do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that if you want to fight at the best level. She has potential. Nurture that potential. Forget boxing. You can make more money in MMA. You know that's why you came here in the first place. Salute to Clarissa Shields for getting that victory. She ended up defeating a, a headline jiu-jitsu brown belt, Breaking Elkins. And, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen next. Do I believe that she will be undefeated when her MMA career is done? No. Nobody's is. That's the beautiful thing about MMA. Everybody gets touched. And you're forced to fight the best of the best. Boxing, you're not forced to fight anybody. MMA, you are. So she is not going to come out unscathed. But what you are going to see is somebody that if she sticks with this sport, she will be very, very good. We forget Amanda Nunes got knocked out by Kat Zingano with brutal ground to pound when she was coming up, when she was still with MMA Masters back in the day. We've seen the greats lose. Shit, we just saw Adesanya lose. But if you stick with the sport and you continue growing, she's young enough to really make a name for herself. Salute to her. Um, also, Bubba Jenkins in the PFL. Salute, man. My man's. He went out there and did absolute work. Great PFL card. Um, we have a new champion in Bellator as well. Douglas Seaman ended up getting um, taking an L. Um, oh, oh. The Ukrainian gentleman, I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I apologize. He ends up getting a fantastic win. He's undefeated, 22 and 0. Amazing, amazing performance. Beats. Um, I mean, he he didn't really do much. Literally, a, a wet blanket on top of him. But dominant performance against um, Douglas Salima. And uh, also a great co-main event with Paul Daly over there. So I uh, love what I saw in uh, this whole weekend. A lot of fun. YouTubers and TikTokers were, were beating each other's ass. And I'll be very honest, you don't know none of those kids' names, but there were actually some entertaining fights. So salute to them for going out there and finding a lane. And real quick, last thing I'll say before we get out of here, people get pissy about the YouTubers and TikToks. And now you got the uh, little baby going out there saying that, you know, he wants to get rappers to box and come up with an organization like that. People, there's a lane for this. And I'm not mad at it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really, I've gotten to the point, this is sports entertainment. I love what I'm seeing. Shit, your boy's been watching the Usos and Roman Reigns for the last month because that's the most entertaining shit that I've seen forever. WWE is back. So look, sports entertainment is a real thing. There is a legitimate, um, there is a legitimate place for what's happening right now, and we have to accept it because it's here. All right. Uh, with that being said, this is all we have for episode 291 of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe. I am your host, Serge Vicente. Uh, don't forget, we have a great week coming up lined up for you guys. Later on today at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, I will be joined by PFL contender Jordan Young. He has a big fight coming up this week, this week, this Thursday on the 17th, and we'll talk about that fight 
and so much more. We'll also have Brothers in Combat this week with myself and Darnell Giovanni. You know we're the dynamic duo on MMA Media. We also have uh, myself is coming being joined this week. All things boxing. We'll also have B Camp coming on the show, the Guru, and so much more. With that being said, this is episode two ninety one of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, the Fight Podcast. Don't forget to check us out everywhere podcasting is available: Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Check us out at thefightpodcast.com. Uh, all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. Love you guys. I'll see you next time right here on The Fight Podcast. Deuces.